what love means is uh, it's got a variety of definitions and if you use the Greek but I just want to talk about two of them one is the word phileo uh, that's like a brotherly kind of love like if you know that east coast town Philadelphia that's what, that's what it comes from that word phileo love like it's the city of brotherly love and then Scripture has a thing called agape love, A-G-A-P, little aster, little little hash mark thing up there. That's agape. That's God's kind of love, and that is a supernatural kind of love. It is described as unconditional. Does that make sense? Like unconditional, no matter what happens, I'm in this thing. Like this is a this is a impossible love to strength out through your own strength. Like this love is crazy kind of love. And you know like when you're youngster, maybe I was 30 when I got married and and they slipped this ring on my finger, Connie did and and now we are agape love. The expectation conceptually was I'm going to get that thing right, which is just <laughs> not true. But <laughs> but we'll get to that another time. But but anyway, so we go back to friendship. And then what is friendship, right? So are your, are your friendships based on this agape, unconditional love? Or are they based on more of this phileo, brotherly love, I'll put up with you as long as it's comfortable for me kind of thing. And, and, and that's, uh, I think that's probably more normal than not. We'll, we'll hang out as long as it's comfortable or you don't do something too outrageous to scare me off. And, and as I was thinking about this, I thought I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really think about a... a this fellow that I'd almost call him a friend, maybe an acquaintance, uh, and and kind of study his friendship, like to see how his friendship evolved. And Pete was, uh, when he came into my life, he was probably mid-teens, maybe 20-ish. So he wasn't, I, I don't see too many in the room that are in that, even that range right now. And so he wasn't, he wasn't, conquering the universe by his depth of knowledge or anything like that he was a he was an outspoken person he was um pretty energetic high profile personality he wanted to be i think probably the hit of the party and uh and he got into friendship in a way that just uh was beyond my comprehension and so um pete it's probably a stretch to say he's my friend and acquaintance would probably be the best thing. Some of you've probably heard of him before. Um, the Bible calls him Simon Peter, right? And Simon Peter was a pretty radical guy. If you spend any time looking at him in the Bible and seeing what was going on and taking into account how young he was when he got thrust into world history, right? Think of your teenage kids and they're in the middle of world history. They don't even know it's world history. Like, Probably, not probably, the most intense world history event ever, a teenager is right there in the middle of it, right? Think back, those of you who are past your teenagers, think back to your teenagers. How much on the ball were you? Did you have it all under control? And so here's this Pete guy. He's he's going about life doing his thing. But he met somebody who revolutionized his worldview. And how that all happened... Uh, was his brother uh, Andrew 
was hanging out with another guy. Um, Andrew and Pete, they, they, they were pretty close, I think. And, and uh, Andrew decided he was going to hang out with Jesus's cousin, John. Some of you know him as John the Baptist. And Andrew was hanging out with uh, John the Baptist. And one day Jesus shows up, right? Like, like, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. Like that, like, I don't know if you've read that part of the Bible, but that's like what happened one day. And, and Andrew starts talking to Jesus and he's like, whoa, this is the Messiah. Like this is the prophesied one for all these years. And Andrew had a lot of energy like Peter. And guess what he did? He took off running and found Peter and said, hey man, I found the Messiah. Come meet him. And so they came, and that's when Peter met Jesus, was because Andrew brought him along. And they were hanging out, I suppose. I don't know. The, the, the details are kind of sketchy. They were hanging out. And then um, Jesus was out doing what he did, you know, healing and miracles and things like that. And he was hanging out in Capernaum, and that just happened to be where Peter lived. And uh, this was early in their friendship, right? Like their friendship, Jesus was in ministry for what, three, three and a half years? So this friendship I'm describing went three to three and a half years. Like you today, if you've never befriended Jesus in an intimate way, in three to three and a half years, you're, you're going to be deep. You're going to be scuba diving. You're not going to be snorkeling on the top. You can be really deep with him in a short period of time. And so, so uh, Jesus comes over to hang out at Peter's house. Like this is early on in their friendship. That's pretty cool. Like going to somebody's house is an intimacy thing, right? Like, like if you come to my house, we have a whole different friendship. And so that's what happened here is, is Jesus shows up at Peter's house. And next thing you know, his mother-in-law has this high fever. And, and, and they're just hanging out as friends. And, and I don't know how it went down. I just kind of envision it. It's like, hey, uh, Jesus, I'm not sure exactly. We kind of thought you were Messiah. But... Uh, Mom over here is shooting about a 104. Can you do anything about that? And he says, get out of here. And, and the, the fever's gone like that. Like, I don't even know. Like, that's in the Bible. But, like, if you're in the room and that happens, what are you thinking? Like, what are you thinking when somebody tells a fever to leave and it leaves? Like, this is a real, this is a real friendship. This is real stuff that went on. And so, so Peter and Andrew, I'm sure they're just like, wow, haven't seen that before. I mean, our other friends are cool, but. They can't do that. And, and they're going about life. And then um, they're fishermen. And so they're doing their thing. And, and uh, um, they uh, were out fishing all night one night. And um, Jesus uh, was doing his thing. And he was walking by the sea. And the people had been pushing hard on him. And he was trying to figure out how he was going to kind of get some space and he saw a couple boats laying on the side of the of the lake there and uh um he decides to get in one to get away from the people like he needed some peace and quiet any of you guys ever need a little peace like just need people to get away from you that that's what jesus was gonna do so like uh jesus must have been had a little bit of assertiveness to him because he he just claimed one of those boats that he's gonna get in the water and go out away from the coast and turned out that was peter's boat and and so uh he said, hey, man, give me some space. And so they, they, they went out, and Jesus spoke to the people while he was on the boat there. 
And uh, when they were done, um, I kind of think of that line from Caddyshack, Peter's looking at Jesus, how about a little something for my effort here, you know? Like, like what's in this for me? We just took my boat out here. And, and Jesus like, hey, just throw your net out, okay? And how about a little fish for your effort? Is that good? And, and uh, I could see Peter rolling his eyes in their friendship. He was like, dude, we were out here all night and didn't catch a thing. Like, this, this is in there, right? Like, you guys believe me, this is in the Bible. Like, I'm not making this up. This is in there. And Jesus said, just try it. Just throw, throw the net over there. And uh, uh, see, Peter's like, all right, whatever, I'll do that. And, uh, and guess what happened? When he started pulling the nets in, there were so many fish in there, the nets were breaking. I, I don't really know anything about this kind of fishing. We were in... Um, uh, the bay by uh, what is that place that we were at in Alaska? Um, the one where they spilt the oil, uh, Valdez. We were in Valdez one day and I saw these guys pulling nets up. It was crazy. They had to have a crane to pull in the fish, and so here Jesus fills the nets up so big that they're falling apart. Think about that. Like what whatever your work is today, I don't know what you guys all do, but but like. What if he does your work for you? That's, that's what really happened right there, right? Like this is the friend Jesus that will do your work. And that's what he did for Peter right there. And, and so they, uh, they got the fish processed. They went about their work. And uh, Peter and Andrew just at that point just, they're like, well, why do we even need these boats or these nets? So they left everything and just followed Jesus. Like, if he can just tell fish to jump in our nets, why do we got to go fret with this thing? That's who Jesus is, really. He can tell fish to get into your net. And so uh, they're just going about life, and uh, through the months, uh, Peter and the other disciples just watch Jesus up close. You can see this evolution of their friendship. And uh, and he told them that, you know... Uh, like, as you go out and tell people about me and the fact that the kingdom is near, um, they're not going to be real nice to you. They may uh, try to hurt you. They may try to kill you. And these are teenagers, right? These aren't, like, people who've kind of got some, a, a lot of history behind them. These are teenagers. He's telling them this is what they're going to do. And then he said, but, but, but don't be afraid of those who can destroy your body. That's hilarious. I, I think it's hilarious that he said that to him. He said, don't, don't be afraid of those who can destroy the body, but have reverence for the one who has the ability to, to take care of your soul. Be, be fired up about the one who can take care of your soul. And they were sitting there talking to the one who could take care of their soul. Um, shortly before uh, John the Baptist was beheaded, Jesus fed 5,000 so you probably know this story with uh, five loaves and a couple fish. And he was worn out again. And, and it was, again, one of these fishing boat stories, right? He got him, He told the uh, disciples to jump in the boat and head out to sea on the Sea of Galilee. And uh, he just needed some time by himself just to refresh. And then when all that time had expired, they were out at sea a bit, right? And then uh, the storm broke out. And I can't even imagine, like, I've not been on a small boat 
I've been on a large boat in a hurricane, and that was pretty intense, but a small boat getting rocked back and forth. And imagine the disciples were freaked out a bit. And then Jesus thinks, well, I, I probably ought to catch up with them. And, and I don't know how, like, this works. I don't know, like if he had, like, a switch or something. He just starts walking into the water, and somehow or another he walks on it rather than in it, right? Like, that, 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 <laughs> I, don't know what, I don't know how he decides which one he wants. So he's like, am I going to walk in it or on it? And so he starts walking on the water towards these guys. Well, the wind must have been blowing them back, so they weren't getting anywhere, right? So he was just catching up with them, and they're freaking out. Like, if you were out like Rusty and those guys out on the uh, the Caribbean or uh, wherever they are right now, and, and they happened to look out their balcony and saw some dude walking on water, what would you think? And that's what these teenage boys saw was this dude walking on water. And he's like, hey, it's me. It's Jesus. Chill out. And they're like, no, it's a ghost. It's got to be a ghost. He's like, nope, it's me. And Peter's like, if that's you, command me to walk on the water. You guys know this story? Like, which of you, which of you, that would have been your thought? Like, you're standing on a boat, storm's breaking loose, and a dude's walking to you. Who thinks that? Like, like Peter is a crazy dude. And, and why did he think that? Like, what, what, what would make you think, I need, out? like, if you've ever been in a storm at sea, what would you make you think you don't want to be on the boat, right? And Jesus said, all right, come on, dude. And he did it. His friend trusted him enough. He got off the boat and walked on the water for a while. But any of you got a little bit? Like any of you ever done that? He did it for a while. Then he freaked out a little bit and he started sinking. And immediately his friend Jesus said, it's okay, dude. I got you. Immediately. And so I assume he walked more on the water, right? Didn't really say that in the story. But if he was out there somewhere and immediately Jesus grabbed him, unless he threw him on his shoulders or something, they had to walk back to the boat. And so Jesus and his friend Peter walked on water, which is just ridiculous. And so as this friendship unfolds, all kinds of things um, uh, just develop, and, and they do their own things, and they get the boat back you know, to the dry land, and they're just going about life. Jesus is doing his thing. He's He's got a little... little uh, taser that he a verbal taser he uses on the pharisees right like like if you read it he's just constantly working the pharisees up and they're 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 always in a frenzy they don't know what to do with jesus and the disciples and peter they're processing all this they're thinking about this this jesus guy and who does this who and and then then they were i just envision him like sitting by a campfire somewhere and and he says to the disciples uh who do the people say that I am? And uh, and they start giving him answers of who the people say. But these guys have like, like they've seen all the stuff I've described so far, right? They've seen other things that aren't even, at the end of John, he says, Jesus did so much stuff, I suppose if we wrote it down, there wouldn't be enough place on earth to store all of what we wrote about what he did. So who knows what all these guys saw. And and so then he's, he's get, he, Jesus decides to get personal with them. He says, but who do you say I am? And what's really interesting when you read the Gospels, the four stories about Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, when you read those, uh, they all, all of them only say what Peter said. So I don't know if Peter was the only one to answer, but they all point out G- what Peter said, and he said, you are the Messiah. And Jesus said, nice work, my friend. 
That's a good job right there. My father must have told you that because you couldn't figure that out on your own because I know you were friends and you couldn't have figured that out. And so, so he says, nice work. And then it gets really interesting uh, for Peter. After he told him uh, that, that his father told him that, he did this really amazing thing. He, he, he re- reached in his invisible pockets and he said, um, I'm going to give you the keys. Any of you remember the first time your parents threw you the keys and said, go for it? Jesus told Peter, because of you, because of this, you get the keys. You get the keys to heaven. What in the world? What, what, what does that even mean? Like, Peter, Peter was a question box. I, I'm sure, like, there was not an exchange of physical keys, but he told him, you get the keys to, to heaven. And, and Peter had to be just blown away because it just had to add to his questions. And and um, and in this even in this dialogue, their friendship is like this, right? It's just up and down and up and down. And Jesus then, after that, he went on to explain to him about how this uh, this story is going to end with our friendship, how this friendship is going to develop. And he's like, "Here's the deal: I'm going to have to. This whole persecution thing is going to happen. Then these guys are going to kill me. Then I'm going to die. And then I'm going to resurrect him." Peter's like, "No, you are not going to die." Like, this is just after he got the keys, right? No, you're not going to die. I'm not going to let it happen. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. (laughs) Who knows what Peter was thinking with that? He wasn't really calling Peter Satan, right? He's just talking about if we don't trust God in us, we're going to trust this this sound system that's going to tell us stuff. And he was just acknowledging the sound system was really distracting Peter. And so... um, that, that that had to leave, like all of what just happened had to send Peter's mind just blowing around, just what is this? And then just about a week later, um, Jesus let all that kind of settle in his mind. And about a week later, he grabs James and uh, John and he goes, come on guys, I want to go on a little hike. We're going up this mountain. And so they uh, they go up this little mountain and this thing in the Bible, it calls it the transfiguration. I don't, uh, that's just too big a word. There's too many syllables in that word for me. But what happened is they got up there to pray, and these crazy things, it almost sounds like they were on drugs or something, these crazy things started to happen. Jesus' face started glowing like the sun. His clothes turned perfect like light. And, and, and like, like I get migraines if the light hits me and I can't see very well. And, and so I'm assuming that's what happened to these disciples. Like, they're like, whoa, what happened? And then next thing you know, these two uh, historical biblical rock stars who are dead show up. Moses and Elijah show up. And, and, and so they're looking around going, whoa. And, and then while this is going on, all of a sudden they, uh, they hear this, this is my son whom I'm well pleased, listen to him, come out of the sky. I was like, oh my gosh, what just happened? And, and that this was at the transfiguration. And, and Peter, Peter's already, again, he's like, we need to build some kind of monument right here. We need to do something, Jesus, because that's kind of how Peter was. He always had to do something. And Jesus said, no, come on, guys, we'll just, just, just store this up, okay? You're going you're gonna to be able to do something with this later, but just store it up, buddy. We're going to be all right. And... Um, and so the the their journey continues, and um, um, 
Peter, you know, somewhere along the road, he's he's beginning to see Jesus, his kindness, his heart, his forgiveness, and all this, and he's trying to think, how can I do this myself? Like, how can I be more like Jesus? Maybe he was asking, what would Jesus do? I don't know what he was doing, but he's like, hey, Jesus, um, like when my brother does something really bad to me, um, I've heard like seven times is all I have to forgive him. And I can kind of hear Jesus kind of laughing at him. He's like, yeah, that sounds good, Peter. But, I mean, when I started this whole thing, it was like, what is a friendship and what causes like, do you, do you, I'm not pointing fingers. Do we, as friends, let a friend do us wrong seven times before they get X'd out of the, they get, I don't know what you do on Facebook to get rid of them. Defriend them? Is, is, like in real life, how many times are we going to forgive a friend that does does us wrong, right? And 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 seven seems reasonable, but Jesus, and, and depending on the translation you had, Jesus said, "That's a nice start, there, buddy." But really, I say maybe seventy times seven, and some translations say seventy times seventy times. <laughs> he's saying he's telling him, "You don't really know what forgiveness is yet, buddy. You're you're going to see it here real soon. Just stick with me, and we'll get you there." And and that's a friend can forgive and forget and move on, and. And so they're, they're moving on down the road, and they get to this whole Last Supper thing that, you know, all the famous pictures are. Um, all these uh, uh, white guys in those pictures, at least the ones I've seen. I don't know I don't know if that would have really been true since they're over in the Middle East. But you guys, you can paint this picture however you want in your own mind. And so they're sitting around the table at the, at, uh, the Lord's Supper, and these guys, uh, these teenage guys, they get into, the, like, this argument. And you know what the argument was? Which of us is the greatest? <laughs> They're sitting with God Almighty and getting into an arguing match. They're with the God that created the universe at a dinner table. And they're focused on which of us is the greatest. How, how, how hilarious is that? And so Jesus, I don't know what he did. He's like, all right, boys, whatever. Let's let's move on down the road. And... and <clears throat> And he's trying to redirect them, and uh, and he, I could see him patiently saying, "All right, guys, here's the deal: you're all in the presence of greatness, and because you've hung out with me, because you left everything behind, you guys are going to have some special roles in this whole eternal picture. You've got some special benefits for being my special friends here." And then he, I feel like he probably just pointed out to him, you know, in a real friendship, greater love has no man than to lay down his life for his friends. Like, that's the, that's the greatest explanation of any kind of love. And, 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 uh, uh, and, and so he points that out to him. And, and uh, while they're sitting there, Jesus looks over at Peter. He goes, hey, man, I don't know how to tell you this, but uh, Satan has demanded permission to sift you like wheat. This is this is his friend Peter, right? We're like I thought we were friends, Jesus. Like you could have said no, right? You could have you said no. He said he got permission. And um, when this thing goes down, and once you kind of have a change of mind, which the Bible means repent, you're going to strengthen your brothers when this thing all goes down. And just, like I said, Peter, in all these conversations, he's got all kinds of thoughts banging around in there. And, uh, and, and so 
he he Jesus transformed that conversation from us pounding our chest who's the greatest to Satan's wondering who's the greatest of you. Like Satan can't attack all of you, so he's picked one of you. <laughs> if if Satan's picked you, you better pick the greatest of all to stand in front of you. You better trust Christ in you, the hope of glory, if this kind of thing comes at you. But when all this was going on, and even after Jesus said that, Peter has the audacity, and he says, uh, whatever goes down here these next few days, I'll go to jail. I'll even die for you. He's pounding his chest. Like Even after Jesus just told him that, he's, he's like, I'll die for you. And <laughs> Jesus, I, I bet he had a little smirk on his face. He's like, hey, buddy, uh, before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. And, and Peter got angry about it. He's like, no, I won't. And so whatever. And so they, they, you know, it's time for him to head over to the Garden of Gethsemane. And Jesus is saying, hey, guys, um, just, just pray for me while I go back here and talk to the Father about what's getting ready to go down. Like, Jesus is sweating drops of blood right now, right? Like, I've gone through some stressful times, but I never had any blood coming out of my pores. And these are his closest friends, right? It was I don't remember who all it was, but it was at least probably Peter and James and John. But and and Jesus goes back, talks to the Father for a while. He comes back, and these dudes are. He's like, you couldn't, even, you couldn't even stay awake for a few minutes. And he goes, I'm going to go back again. And so this whole process, goes, and they're out cold every time. And and uh, uh, and he he just goes on with it. He's like, this is all good. And so uh, Peter was only one of the of the disciples that I could find that followed Jesus to the to the uh, the trial and all that. And because he was there, that's when he got the opportunity to deny Jesus three times. And he heard the rooster crow, and he, he, he you know, he's angry with himself. He is bitter. And then uh, who knows what the next two or three days look like for Peter after that. Probably a lot of guilt and regret how he treated his friend. Uh, but then he heard about the empty grave and Peter ran. I could just see, like, just sweat and, you know, that kind of running when your lungs are full and you're coughing. And, and he got there and he looked and, and the tomb's empty and all the death clothes are rolled up and piled up. And he's like, he's alive. He, what he said was true. He's alive. And and so he's uh, he, he's walking back and he hadn't seen him yet. But then when uh, he sees him, Jesus begins to explain to the disciples what uh, uh, what they needed to know. Uh, and I would imagine they were just all blown away and amazed by what had just happened. And then Jesus is going about doing his thing before he ascended, and uh, and Peter's processing this whole thing. And he went back to his roots. He's like, I, yeah, he's resurrected, but I don't even know what to do with all this information. So uh, he said, I'm going fishing. And so that's what he did. Peter decided to go fishing. He told the boys, I'm going fishing. And a bunch of them said, I'm going with you. And so they all jumped in the boat to go fishing. And uh, guess what they caught? Nada. Nothing. They caught nothing. But I'm not a fisherman. Ron's a fisherman. But I think catching isn't the object of fishing anyway. I think there's more to it than that. And so as they were out there fishing, um, somebody yelled over to them and uh, they looked up and this dude was over there grilling on the beach. I, I love grilled food, but they, this dude was over there grilling, and he yelled at him, yelled out at him, 
And he's and what I envision, he says, I bet you guys didn't catch a thing. It was Jesus, right? He's trash talking him. I bet you didn't catch a thing. And uh, uh, they didn't. And guess what he told them? Hey, guys, try throwing the nets on the other side. And guess what? They caught fish like you can believe. There were so many fish that they caught that they had to call their friends over with their boats. And all their friends brought their boats out to where they caught these fish. And their friends started taking the, the fish out of the nets. And when they started taking the fish out of the nets, the boats started sinking. Like, I don't even know what that means. Like, like I guess that mean, means that the fish were like stacked, like, like a pyramid of fish were stacked up there and the boats start sinking. Sorry about that. That's my way of telling me I'll talk too long. I'll bring this thing home if I can finish how to turn that off. So the, the boats are sinking. They go, to, they go have a, they have a cookout with Jesus there, and he's just giving them some final instructions and telling them what's going on. And then after breakfast, this is the whole point. This breakfast, after breakfast conversation is the whole point of why I wanted to talk about Peter. Jesus sitting there, chewing on his fish, looks over at Peter. He said, Peter, do you love me? And he used that word agape, that supernatural love. And Peter said, I phileo love you, Jesus. Which is cool. I mean, in our language, if I asked Charlie if he loved me and he said he loved me, yeah, I love you. I don't know which version he's saying, but it's cool, whatever. And Jesus, Jesus knew his heart and he said, Peter, do you agape love me? And Peter says, yeah, I phileo love you. We're friends. And then Jesus said it one more time. He said, hey, Peter, do you love me? This time he said, do you phileo love me? And Peter said, yeah, I phileo love you. And he, and he, was, he was grieved because that's all he could say. Like all they've been through, this whole story I told you, the best that Peter could say to Jesus was that I love you like a friend. And Jesus had told him, greater love has no man than to lay down his life for his friends, which Jesus had just done. And I think the takeaway from this was Jesus was so thrilled by Peter's answer. Peter was Jesus' friend who could speak honestly to him. Before, he would have said, yeah, I agape love you. Right? Like the old Peter would have said, yeah, I agape love you. But the new Peter wanted to love Jesus with that supernatural love, but he wasn't going to feed him a line. He was going to be straight with him and say, I love you like a friend. And what Peter didn't know, but Jesus knew, it was just going to be a few short days until this thing called Pentecost happened. And when Pentecost happened, the Bible says agape love, this unconditional love, was poured into the hearts of the believers in Jesus. This thing called agape love, the moment you trusted in Jesus, began to be something that the believers in Jesus could do. Peter could have never done it until the Pentecost happened because it was God's kind of love, which wasn't poured into him until the Pentecost. And so as we kind of bring this thing to close, I just encourage you to think about friendship. What does it take to be a friend? Is it too outrageous to be that supernatural agape love with a friend? 
Or is it okay? It's okay to like somebody and just to realize you can be a friend to somebody that needs a friend today. Father, thank you that you gave us just an incredible example of friendship through Peter and through Jesus' friendship and that you gave us the capacity for even more than what was described there because you put your spirit within us. You gave us a hope beyond measure and you gave us a supernatural power. The one that created the universe dwells with our spirit. So today, Lord, we just thank you for your love and the way that you take care of us and just um, encourage us today as we go about life to be thankful for what we have in you. I just pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.